Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, welcome to Step Into Scripture. My name is Tina. I am a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. Alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, an author, and I am so passionate about seeing people commit themselves to reading God's whole word. That's really what this podcast is about, helping people develop biblical literacy and connect with God's plan for the restoration of humanity Mm -hmm. to himself through what he reveals in scripture. Yeah. So in this season, season two of the Step Into Scripture podcast, my friend Stacy and I have committed ourselves to answering Bible questions that are submitted by listeners and viewers. We hope to use only Scripture to answer these questions. Occasionally, we're bringing in some well-documented, credible, historical, or scientific resources to accompany the Scripture, but we really want to base our answers on the Bible because we really believe the Bible has the answer for anything we need to know. So the question that we're going to answer this week, this is actually two parts. Mm -hmm. We answered the first part of this question in last week's episode. So if you missed that, you definitely want to go back and and hear that episode. But I'm going to just read the whole question, and then we'll jump into part two of it. Right. The question that was submitted is this. There are some things that God called sin, and I don't really understand why. For example, when Moses struck the rock, and then he couldn't enter the promised land because of it, but he struck another rock before, and water came out of it. Why was it wrong the second time? And during David's reign, it was a sin that he took a census. Why? So that was the first part of this question, and that's what we answered last week. And now here's the second part. Yet it seems there are other times where people did really bad things, and yet they were blessed, like when Jacob deceived Esau, and yet he was still blessed and renamed Israel. So in last week's episode, again, we dealt with that first part of the question, why does God call some things sin that we don't readily identify as sin? And if you missed that, please go back and listen before you jump into this this episode. That was season two, episode nine. It's called Striking a Rock and Taking a Census. And now today we take on the second part of the question, Mm -hmm. David deceiving Esau along with several others and still receiving God's blessing Why does God bless some people despite their obvious sin? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the first part of this question, why is some sin treated so severely when it's not even obvious to us that it's sin? Right. So since this question was posed, we received another question that was kind of like it. Why was it okay for men to have multiple wives like Jacob? Again, this is something Jacob did, and still he was blessed. So we're going to roll both of those things into this answer. The deception, the polygamy that we see in Jacob's life. Why was Jacob still blessed in spite of these obvious sins? So Stacy, if you will, go ahead and introduce yourself and kick us off here. Yeah, I'm happy to. So my name is Stacy Vines. I am um, also a wife and mom of four alongside my husband. We are small business owners and founders of nonprofits. Our family is a church plant family here at Ecclesia. We've been a part of it since its conception. And Tina and I have been stepping through scripture for over a decade now, and I'm thrilled to be a part of this. I'm so excited about this episode, part two, um, deception, and then also polygamy, kind of answering uh, what I see at the root of this is why are some people blessed um, even when they do wrong things? And yeah. this is another heart check. Just like last week, uh, what is the the root of the question? Uh, we want to be, uh, we want to walk in favor with God. We want to remain in the blessings of God. 
So what, like last week we answered really, what do I need to do to make sure I stay within the favor of God? Um, But this week, it's almost uh, like what happens to those, why, why do why do good things still happen to bad people? Yeah. And we need to know the answer to this because we all fall short. Right. And God still wants to bless us. He still wants to restore and redeem our lives and be in close fellowship with us. So this question is perfectly applicable. So whether this is your first episode or you have been following along the entire time, I think everyone will get a huge blessing out of this. So we're going to jump right in. This question really does begin with drawing a contrast Um, on what's being pointed out. You know, in some instances, like last week talking about Moses striking the rock and then David ordering a census, we see that these actions, they didn't seem like obvious sin, like what you just said. This doesn't readily on the surface look like that big of a sin. Right. You know, uh, if we're all being honest, we have done worse things than hit a rock twice with a staff. Right. Right. But it was the the not following the very specific task in obedience that God had given both of those men and then not trusting God and giving him the place in their life that God rightly um, deserves and has earned. So in other instances, like what we're going to talk about today, things like Jacob deceiving people and having four baby mamas, and we see obvious sin. But then we see that sin met with blessing on the surface. Right. And this is uh, another really good example of why we have to read the entire thing. Because on the surface, we might read the life of Jacob and we might go, wow, he was so blessed. He had all these kids and he became a great nation. He's listed as one of the patriarchs of the faith. But if we don't read the whole thing, we'll miss that there are consequences. And we're going to get to those. So before we step through these specific pieces of deceit, last week we noted and pointed out that it wasn't necessarily the action that was the sin that was perpetrated by Moses or by King David, but it was the heart behind the action. It was not trusting God. It was, uh, you know, sinning in our anger. And we also saw that the consequence given by God was more than just a consequence. It was an act of grace. It led both of those men to repentance, which brought them into a redeeming part and and highlight for us to read in the Old Testament. And so now as we talk about this scenario, we're going to feel like it's a little bit on the opposite side of the spectrum. And we're going to start by looking at the man in the question here, and that's Jacob. So Jacob and his twin brother Esau, their birth is recorded in the 25th chapter of Genesis. And here is what scripture says about their mother, Rebecca. In Genesis 25, verses 24 and 26, it says, When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out was red. His whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping at Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. If you're reading along, you probably see a footnote right there um, that gives some more insight to Jacob's name itself. And it means he grasps the heel, which is an idiom in Hebrew for that he deceives. He is the deceiver. In the next account about Jacob that we find after his birth, it's a story of him taking advantage of his brother Esau. And so in just a second, we're going to lay the context of how the, the home that Jacob was raised in, some insight to his mother, and how deceit 
is really a part of their family yeah. history. It's a chain in their family, um, but it's important to remember as we get into this and we'll remind ourselves on the other side, what we're doing in this book of Genesis is following this family line. Yeah. Again, it's this overarching story that God is writing and allowing all of us to look back and read Yes. in narrative form in the book of Genesis how he brought about redemption, and he chose to do it through Abraham and through the covenant with Abraham. So just remember, we're following a family line. And this idea of deceit, this very real sin in this family, is a family problem. Right. And it happens to be the family that God chose to bring about the Redeemer of the whole world, our Lord and Messiah, Jesus. So just put that in your back pocket while we go into this next part. So what we're going to pick through is the account from Genesis chapter 27. And it starts with Jacob in his first act of deceit. He's perpetrating a sin against his brother to steal his blessing. So here, the deceiver, the the one who grasped the heel, he tricks his brother into giving him his birthright to trading his blessings for a pot of stew. And then the next act, right after that, we see that Jacob and his mother, Rebecca, come together and they deceive his father Isaac um, in a big way. And we're going to start there. We're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 27. We're going to start reading in verse 13. And here's what it says. His mother said to him, this is Rebecca speaking to her son, Jacob, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say, go and get them for me. Now she's giving him the instructions on what he needs to bring to disguise himself as his older brother while his father is on his deathbed, ready to give out the blessing, which would have been a custom for them in their day. And he's going to go to him and deceive him and pretend to be his older brother with his mother's help and actually picking out what to bring in order to make sure that the deception is solid. Verse 14, so he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skin. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread that she had made. He went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son. He answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. So there we see the deceit carried out. Jacob lies about who he is, what he's there to do. He brings something that he did not prepare. It was not a gift for his father as he uh, pretended and deceived that it was. And he asks, for the blessing. Right. Verse 20, Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. And then he brings God into yeah. it like, see, I'm doing this in the name of our God. That was bold. That was very bold. 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. So Jacob goes up to his father. His father feels along his skin and he feels again this hairy goat skin. And he, and he says, yes, you are my son Esau. And he carries out this deception against his father and receives the blessing. And we'll skip to verse 28. Here's the blessing he receives. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. May the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. 
After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, in comes his brother Esau from hunting. So just so we don't miss what has happened, the question that was submitted to us is, to paraphrase, because I don't remember exactly what the question is. Okay. The question that was submitted to us is, how is it that in light of deliberate sin, people are met with blessings? Yeah. We want to know this because we sin deliberately and unintentionally, but we see others around us sin deliberately, and we might be distracted from what our task given by God might be Mm. because we're so caught up on the blessings of others when we are focused on their sin and not focused on just refraining ourselves from our own sin. So what happens? Jacob receives this blessing from Isaac, and it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. May those who bless you be blessed. May those who curse you be cursed. May nations bow down to you. May the brothers, may the the other children of your mother bow down and pay homage and respect to you. I mean, this is a beautiful blessing. And we're going to see that most of this happens in the life of Jacob. He is blessed. He goes and does mighty things for God and does many things that we read about that brought about the line of our Lord and King but something that we want to remember again is that why are we following this line? We're following the line of Abraham because it's the vehicle to bring about the Messiah. Jacob is going to go on to be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. Jacob will be renamed. He will have this beautiful encounter with the angel of the Lord. And Jacob uh, is going to be responsible for fathering those who would bring about the line of the Messiah. Right. So it's through this lineage that that Abrahamic covenant that we've talked about several times on this podcast um, is fulfilled. But in case you missed that uh, specifically, you can check out in season one, episode 12. Mm -hmm. Um, It's titled, Why You Need to Read It. We walk through the terms of that covenant, the promise that God made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. Yet, even in this covenant fulfillment, we see deception being a running theme through this family. We talked about it before we got started, and now we're going to land here for just a second. Twice, Abraham, the one who was faithful and followed God, uh, he deceived others around him. He deceived kings um, in order to save his life about the identity of his wife. We -hmm. see that his son Isaac, who was just deceived by his son, also lied and deceived others to save his life. Later, we see that Lot, Abraham's nephew, his daughters deceive him in a mighty rotten way. And we see a lot of consequence from that deception all through the Old Testament. And then here we read, and we learned just now, Jacob, his very name means he who deceives or the one who grasps the heel. And then past Jacob, through the family line, we find deceit all over the place. Jacob is deceived by his father-in-law Laban when he is trying to marry Rachel, but he is given Leah instead. We see, uh, which is a lot of irony, that that an identity was swapped right in front of him when he himself deceived his father by swapping his identity. And finally, another example of deceit from Jacob is when he leaves his father-in-law's house in the middle of the night, basically taking his entire family, lies about it. And we read all through Genesis, this pattern of deception continuing even in a family line chosen by God, blessed by God, 
Um, and we are going to keep walking through this pattern. And Tina, you're going to take us into this um, idea of polygamy. And was it blessed? Was it um, was it okay right. with God? So these two things, is deceit okay with God because it's met with blessing? Is polygamy okay with God because it was also met with blessings? So let's walk through that together. All right. So, you know, we've been asked specifically about Jacob, mm-hmm. but just like the deception didn't start with Jacob. That's right. He was the third generation mm-hmm. deceiver. The polygamy didn't mm-hmm. start with Jacob either. His grandfather, Abraham, fathered a child with his wife, Sarah's servant, Hagar, before Sarah could conceive the child that God right. had specifically promised to give to them. And then Abraham's grandson, you mentioned, you know, four baby mamas. Yeah. He had two wives who bore him children. And then each of those wives had a servant who also bore him children. And so he's got four different women going on here. And that really made a mess Mm -hmm. because the whole thing became a competition. If you go back and read Genesis 29 and 30, you can, you can see how crazy this competition got. But basically these women start passing Jacob around. They're pimping him out in return for mandrakes. Right while trying to gain clout by having more babies. I don't even know what a mandrake is, but... I don't either. I just heard it for the first time. (laughs) To Rachel, it was worth sending her husband to spend the night with her sister wife. Listen, if you're not reading the Bible, you're missing out on all kind of drama. (laughs) You won't even need to engage in drama around you because you will get your whole feel for it. The ABC special does not compare. That's right. But that's the beauty of the narrative of Genesis. Yes, that's right. So much drama going on here. And the thing that we need to know about it, because this is confusing, Mm -hmm. right? Genesis gives us the narrative without a lot of commentary Mm -hmm. on the morality of the whole thing. And so we need to look to other scriptures that give us the morality of Mm it. And scripture tells us that God expressly forbade this kind of thing. In Deuteronomy 17, 17, here's what he said about anyone who would serve as a king in Israel. When they asked for a king, he said, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. Mm-hmm. This wasn't God's plan. And and that's not just Old Testament. In the New Testament, to be married to more than one woman, to participate in polygamy, completely disqualifies a man from being a leader in Christ's church. First Timothy 3, 1 and 2, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or elder, someone who is leading the church, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, mm-hmm. the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. So literally, he must be, uh, the, the Greek there is a man of one woman. Yeah. So polygamy, although it may look like it was blessed Mm -hmm. because we see it in Abraham, although, you know, this wasn't two wives, he had more than one woman who he was bearing children with. It's not ever been in God's plan. And here are just a few scripture references. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Helper. Right. Not, not helpers. helpers. Right. In Genesis 2.24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That's wife, not, not wives. Right. And then in Ephesians 5.33 in the New Testament, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Mm-hmm. That's wife, not, not wives. Right. That was never God's plan. But it didn't disqualify Abraham and Jacob from being the recipients of God's covenant promises, his covenant blessings, 
Why? Mm -hmm. Because like you noted, Stacy, this is the lineage through whom the Messiah was going to come. So our original question here is why were people who did bad things blessed? Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into some deep water. So I want you guys to hold on. We laid out in season one, episode 12, that you referenced earlier, this this covenant relationship. What is a covenant? And if you haven't listened to that, it would be really helpful as a foundation for understanding Mm -hmm. this episode, just to go back and start there. But we showed there that a covenant is a legally binding agreement between two parties. It's often ratified by an oath or some other means and usually places demands on both parties. And so... You really need to understand the ratification and the terms of the covenant on God's side and on Abraham's side so that we can understand why we see people in this covenant relationship still looking so blessed. Sure. In in, in spite of deliberate sin that we see as deliberate. That's sin. right. So with with the understanding that there was a covenant relationship going on here, Abraham's side of the covenant was yeah. that he was to walk faithfully with God and to circumcise all his descendants. God's side of the covenant was that he was going to bless the entire world through Abraham's lineage by bringing about the Messiah. With that understanding, let's go to the New Testament. We're going to read Romans 9, 6, and 7. Verse 6 says, It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Now, Israel is another name for Jacob. You mentioned earlier he wrestled with God. God changed his name and delivered these blessings. Verse 7, Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And there Paul is quoting what God Mm -hmm. had said to Abraham that through Isaac not through not through Ishmael right. who was Abraham's child with Hagar it is through Isaac that your offspring are going to be reckoned so the idea here that Paul's communicating in Romans is that Israel was a blessed people why because the way of reconciliation of God and man was going to come about through them and yet it wasn't through all of them mm-hmm. it was through Isaac from Abraham to Isaac and then to Jacob we find out because both Both lineages would have looked to Abraham as their father, the lineage of Isaac and the lineage of Ishmael. Christians, Jews, and Muslims all look to Abraham as their father. Abraham is the patriarch of all three of these religions. He's Israel's patriarch, though, because of Isaac and Jacob. Mm -hmm. That's the specific lineage that we're tracing here down to Jesus the Messiah through whom we have Christianity. So let's keep reading in Romans. What we've got so far is we understand that there is one specific lineage Mm -hmm. that has been predetermined by God to deliver salvation to the world. Now, Romans 9, starting in verse 8, in other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this is how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Paul there again, quoting what God God said to Abraham. Verse 10, not only that, but Rebecca's children. Now, Stacy mm-hmm. already talked to you about Rebecca and her two children, Isaac and Jacob, who wrestled in the womb. And, and Jacob 
is grasping the heel and so called right. the deceiver. So not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac, yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, listen to this, in order that God's purpose in election might stand not right. by works, but by him who calls, she, Rebecca, was told, the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So, Stacy, you already introduced the idea of Jacob deceiving Esau. Mm-hmm. And now Paul is unpacking this thing in, as he writes this letter to the church at Rome. And, and the question that we need to answer here, because we're asking, why are bad people, people who do bad things, blessed? Well, what had Esau done? Right. Because the last thing Paul just said there is, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And he gives the answer, nothing, right? right? Because he says before the twins were even born. Before they did anything right or wrong. Right. This was already predetermined. A decision was made by God before either of them had acted righteously or sinfully mm-hmm. to bless and to curse. And it wasn't a personal blessing or a personal curse. When he says, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated, it's not a personal hatred right. that God hated Esau. What Paul is talking about here is, well, let's look at what he's talking about. He says, just as it is written, yes. Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Where is it written? He's quoting from the book of Malachi. Right. So let's go back and look at that. Malachi 1, 1 through 3 in the Old Testament, that's what Paul is quoting here. It says this, a prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi, I have loved you, says the Lord. Who's he talking to? Israel. Mm -hmm. But you asked, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to desert jackals. See, this wasn't a personal hatred. It was a national declaration against the lineage who would not be the chosen lineage Mm -hmm. through whom God's going to bring about the Messiah. Because although God, remember his covenant with Abraham, the terms were he was going to bless all people on Mm -hmm. earth through Abraham. That's what he's accomplishing, but he could only accomplish that through one line, Mm -hmm. right? Jesus Christ could only have one one heritage. Right. And so it was through the lineage that was predetermined by God, not not by works, but by him who calls, Mm -hmm. not because of anything Jacob did or Esau did. Mm -hmm. God predetermined that that would be the chosen lineage through whom he would bring about the Messiah. So let's just dig a little further here. What does it even mean to be blessed? Mm -hmm. What does it even mean to be cursed? Belonging to God and his people was a blessing, that's still what a blessing is for us today, is mm-hmm. to be reconciled to God. And the opposite of that is cursed. Cursed means separated from God in the community of faith. The Hebrew word for cursed is arar, and it's the result of the fall and the entrance of sin into God's creation. It's first used in Genesis chapter 3, where mm-hmm. it literally describes the curse on creation right. because mankind broke fellowship with God. So cursed is the condition of all mankind mm-hmm. without a path back to God. Right. It's the very condition that predicates the gospel. Yeah. So listen now, let's keep going in Romans 9. I hope this is all coming together. Verse 22, what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? We talked about this at the beginning of this episode, the patience of God Mm -hmm. waiting so long before delivering righteous judgment. Yeah. 
What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. So while every nation, tribe, and tongue finds their origin in Noah and Mm -hmm. his family who came off the ark and repopulated the whole earth after the global flood, only one line, this line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was going to bring about the eternal king. So it was Father Abraham, the nation of Israel fathered by Jacob, and then from Jacob's son, the specific line of Judah through whom we have King David, Mm -hmm. that king of Israel who predated and prefigured Christ. And through that one line, Mm -hmm. the curse over all humanity was to be conquered. The serpent was going to be crushed. The power of sin was going to be broken. The hold of death was going to be defeated. And the distinction now between Jacob and Esau, Jew and Gentile, Sarah's son and Hagar's son, none of that exists anymore. So I hope you're following me here. God wasn't blessing Abraham or Jacob for their polygamy or for their deceit. He was blessing all of humanity in spite of Abraham and Jacob's shortcomings. And why? Yeah. Because God loves us that much. Mm -hmm. That's why you've got to read the whole Bible. Right. Because you've got to connect with that love and you've got to get to know his character. God is a God of grace. And he's also a God we can trust. Mm -hmm. He never breaks his promises. When he said, I'm going to bless the whole world and redeem my creation through this line, even their polygamy, even their deceit, couldn't mess up, couldn't thwart his plan. Right. Now, all that said... Hmm. What we don't want to do is give the impression that sin leads to blessing or that we put God on the obligation end of anything, that he's locked into ignoring our sin because he's got a purpose to accomplish and he's gracious and he's loving and he's covenant keeping. Because what we're going to see if we really read it all is that even though God was good on his promise Mm -hmm. and delivered exactly what he said he would through Abraham and Jacob Mm -hmm. in spite of them, There was a hard consequence for what they did. Have you ever wondered what the Bible says about male and female roles in the church? Maybe you have felt unsure of how what the Bible says about this lines up with modern culture. Is it even applicable today? If you have felt this way, we encourage you to go to YouTube and search Male and Female, A Biblical Look at Gender. This is a special six-part series produced by Renew.org to help Christians navigate what the Bible says about this polarizing topic and how to apply these teachings in your context today. If you would like to listen to this series, go to your preferred podcast platform and search the Real Life Theology Podcast, and they're becoming available there as well. If you would like all this great content in book form, you can go to Amazon.com and look up Male and Female, A Biblical look at gender to purchase Renee Sproul's new book with all this great information in it. We just highly encourage you to check that out and grab a copy today as well and share this series with anybody who may be struggling with this topic, who wants more clarity about how to understand it, apply it, and follow King Jesus more clearly today. So the beautiful thing that you just rolled out for us, that overarching story, the truth about what God has done and all the 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 things that we get to now know was God's plan because we yeah. read the entire plan from start to finish. Those are those are the highlights. Those are the big God yeah. covenant keeping, redeeming, long suffering God yeah. things. It's in the in between, which those are imp- those are very important. Yes, they're life changing. They are critical and they are truth. 
because they tell us the, the nature and character of God. But there, God has a whole big character yeah. and a whole big nature. And something that is very, very true about God is that He is a God that loves justice. Yes, He is just. He renders judgment. The good thing is when He does and your sin is forgiven, He forgets it. You can get up and move on. Yeah. But He is a God who renders justice. And so while this family, just like all of us, Get, got to partake in the blessings of God that we could never earn or deserve. Right. There are still very real consequences for sin. And here's the ultimate why. Not because God is just a judge who is so bent on right and wrong. Sin separates us yes. from God. So when sin enters our life or we deliberately sin, we have chosen to put our covenant-keeping God on the defense, right? He, yeah. can't, he can't fellowship with us when sin is in our, in our midst. Right. And so that is why, without consequence, sin will stay and our relationship will forever be broken. Yeah. Then, then all of that work that God has done, all that you just rolled out for us, we're ignoring. Yeah. And so we do see uh, the deception from this family only bred more deception. Our sin will always breed and beget more sin. Right. It's been said that, you know, what, and we've said this for years, what we do in moderation, our yeah. children will do in excess. Yeah. If we um, lie a little, yeah. our children will be liars. Yeah. If we steal a little or cheat a little, yeah. they will steal and cheat. This is a, whatever lifestyle, if it's deception, if it's sexual sin, if it's drunkenness, if it's gluttony, whatever it is, if it's not going to church, if it's not believing in God, if it's not yeah. reading our scripture, whatever we do, they will do multiplied. And so we see it proven in small ways, even in this family, this covenant family with God, the small deception coming from Abraham about the identity of his wife, Sarah, is amplified. It's multiplied in the dealings of his son and even in his grandson and then even on into his great-grandsons. And we already talked about the deception perpetrated by Abraham, by Abraham's son, Isaac, by, and then by his grandson, Jacob, but think about what Jacob's children yeah. then went on to do. His uh, Abraham's great grandchildren because again. by the third generation, you're being named. Well, I was just about to point that out. That same thing, Jacob, just like Paul reminds us, it had nothing to do before Jacob and Esau had even been born, had the opportunity to do any good or any bad. Jacob had already been named. He deceived. Yeah. It was a generational problem, yeah. um, but it was still uh, not going to undo the plan of God, like you mentioned. And so in spite of us, uh, God can still bring about his purpose. We are all still playing a part and a role in the purpose of God. We're all still partaking in the blessings of God, but we all still have to be uh, conscious and aware and accountable for the sin that brings real consequence in our life and could bring consequences into our children's yeah. lives as well and those around us. So let's let's check out this passage from Genesis chapter 34, where Jacob's daughter, um, again, Jacob coming in this line where Abraham, all of his descendants are going to bring about the blessing to all of humanity. So here's someone in that line, Dinah. She is raped by a Hivite man. And then in response to this, okay, these children brought up in this family that, that is breeding in deceit. Yeah. The sons of Jacob, 
they go and deceive the men of Shechem, the men where Dinah had been uh, raped, and they 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 get in such fellowship with them that they convince them that you know what you can marry our family, like we'll intermarry, yeah, right. But here's what you have to do: you have to be circumcised. And so we were talking about this right before the show. These boys bring, I mean, this is a big deal. This yeah. is a big act of deception. This is a big sin. It's a big, uh, big problem. They, they deceive these guys, the whole town, into believing that if they are circumcised, they will be allowed to intermarry into this family. And so these guys go and do it. A clearly blessed family. That they want to marry into. That they want so much that now someone in their family has been raped by one of these one of the men of this town. So so these guys go and do this, and while they're recovering from this procedure of, of getting into this promise, these sons go and kill every man in that town and then plunder their city and take their women and their livestock and all of their uh, belongings and possessions as their own. The Bible actually says they plunder it. We'll just read through, through this really quickly. Genesis 34 verses 25 to 29. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain because they've just been circumcised, because they've been deceived so well that a man was willing to do that in thinking that this is so real. I mean, think about the level of deceit. Yeah. Two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamar and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came up to the dead bodies, looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city out of the fields. They carried off all of their wealth and all of their women and children, taking us plunder, everything in the houses. So we talked about this right before we got started. There are many things that our children could do yeah. that would just wreck us. Yeah. Matter of fact, the other day we had a conversation with our kids who we don't hide things from, and we told them, if you go to jail, if you are arrested, I mean, we told them, hey, here's exactly what's going to happen to you. I'm not coming. You're, you're not going to be able to call me. You're not going to be able to see me. Like, you're going to be taken from me because of one decision. Yeah. And not only that, but, but choosing to do that would be, it, I would rather, and this was the example my husband gave, I would rather someone tie me to a tree and beat me and spear me and, and just hurt me physically than to be taken from apart from you because of a decision that you yeah. made. So just so they could put into context the the feeling that that would bring yeah. to their parent. But think about if their bad decision that led to that pain as a parent was a result of something you did in moderation that they chose wow. to do in excess, right? In such excess that they deceived and murdered the entire male population of a city. Right. Man. So again, this is not a family that just walks with no repercussion right. for the sin in their life. And we can hold on to that and go, okay, I will check what I do in moderation. Yeah. I will, I will look at how I, uh, what I am passing along. Another example Uh, Genesis chapter 37, 
10 brothers, the 10 of the 12 sons of Israel, of Jacob. One is sold, Joseph. They sell him into slavery, and then they go back and deceive their father, Israel, into thinking that he had been killed by wild animals. Think of the heartache. Yeah. Now here again, Jacob is being deceived by one of his sons, or multiple, here, 10 of his sons, and it brings terrible heartache to Jacob. And then he's estranged from Joseph for most of his life. Absolutely, until he's an old man, Yeah, right? And so for any parents who have children who have um, made terrible decisions or are walking out consequences of those decisions, um, I, I hope that some of this brings you a little bit of peace because while God is a God of justice and he is a righteous judge, um, we can still find his blessings in the midst of the consequences of our sin. And it's good. It's good that God is just yeah, because we can trust him to always be just, never to show favoritism. And that this, like what you pointed out, there's no favoritism in any of this. Right. He still renders his judgment. Another example in Genesis 38, one of those same brothers, Judah, the same brother, who the same son rather, who is going to bring about this kingly yes. line of King David who brings us the Messiah. He raised two sons who were so evil that God actually took them out. Doesn't even say why, them. just killed them both because they he, were evil. That's all it says. Yeah. Yeah, he lost one, then he loses another one. Judah blames it on the wrong person, on uh, his son's widow. He sleeps with her unknowingly because of his sin. And afterwards, uh, because she stood by the roadside and disguised herself as a prostitute, so clearly Judah is participating in pagan cult worship. And she's learned to be a deceiver. She's been she's a part of this family, yep. right? So she has picked up on the trait of how they operate. So after she's participated in the deception, she conceives with her former father-in-law. And as this is coming out that she's now pregnant, he is deceiving all of those around him um, until he finds that as if he is this man of integrity, until he finds out he's actually the one that has gotten her pregnant. Yeah. And so even though got and many wonderful things come from the two boys in her womb. That's right. Right? One of her sons, Perez, brings about the line of David. Yes. Right? So even in spite of deception, lies, outright deliberate sin, major blessings come, but they do not come without the consequence for the heart behind the act. Right. Just like we talked about last week. So even though God honored his covenant of restoration for all of humanity that he made through the line of Abraham and that Abrahamic covenant, the sins of the deception still carried heartbreaking consequences and they're there for us to read. Now we love the overarching story of the blessings and redemption, the reconciling work that God had started from the third chapter of the story, right? We love that and we put our hope in that, Uh, but we can never forget that God is a righteous judge and there are real consequences for our sins. Well, and I love that you pointed out at the beginning, as we asked this question, why are people who do evil still recipients of blessings? Mm -hmm. You, You gave a caution about not, looking at Mm -hmm. those who are doing evil and assessing their blessings and then missing what God wants to do in our lives. Because this is a truth that is still very real for us today and one that we need to see as an act of grace because even when we make messes, and we all make messes if we're being honest, Mm -hmm. and even when people around us make messes that affect us. I remember very early in ministry having an experience where 
someone just said I did something that I didn't do. And mm-hmm. I remember just being so sidelined with yeah. unbelievable. I was just going about my day, having yeah. a good day. And someone said something not true yeah. and it just wrecked the whole day. And I just thought that was so incredible that that could happen. Yeah. Not knowing that's just a reality of, of adult life and of yeah. ministering and of serving people. Mm-hmm. Just get used to that. That's going to happen. And even though it happens, God's purpose prevails. Yes. And that's the beautiful truth in all of this for us, that while God certainly didn't sanction Rebecca and Jacob's deception of Isaac, sure. God still fulfilled his plan in it. Um, while God didn't commission Jacob to deceive Laban, God still used Jacob's leaving Laban mm-hmm. deceptively to bring him back to the land of inheritance where this lineage was going to be planted and established. And even that twisted deception that you referenced earlier by Lot's daughters right. brings about the Moabites right. who go on just like the descendants of Tamar mm-hmm. to play a crucial role in the Messiah's ancestry. And we read all about both of those yes. in the book of Ruth. Right. So here's the great truth in this. Instead of asking, why mm-hmm. do people who act poorly receive blessings? Here's the truth that needs to matter to us. No matter the mess, God's promise is still true. And it's true for me, and it's true for them. Yes. Right? Like, instead of looking at that and and that being our question, why is this still being blessed? It definitely needs to be, God, why am I not so grateful that you are still blessing me? Because even in our least, we are abundantly blessed by God. Now, here's something interesting in all this deception, and you've mentioned this already, in Genesis 32, there we have this strange account of Jacob wrestling with God, right. and in that event, God actually changes Jacob's name. Right. So no longer is he called deceiver, he changes his name to Israel, which means wrestles with God or God fights. And what's so cool about this is that Jacob's character changes with his name Mm -hmm. because we don't see Jacob perpetrate any more deceit after that account of him wrestling with God, but he does continue to be the victim of deceit. Yes, No longer the perpetrator, but he is the victim because the deceit that he modeled didn't stop with him. And even though his encounter with God altered his own identity and nature, he's done a job, a fair job of discipling down Mm -hmm. deceit. And like you said, this plays out again and again with his children in heartbreaking ways. There is certainly consequences for the sin. Right. And that's true for us, even in our most dedicated, in my most dedicated, Mm -hmm. sold out for God seasons, I misstep and make a mess. I I have deceived people when I didn't even mean to, and it had to be brought to my attention later. And even as hard as we try to do good, (laughs) we're going to pass on our weaknesses to people who we live with and people who we lead. We're, and that's that's a big part of the premise of this podcast. You need to read the whole Bible yes. for yourself because you and I will misspeak. Yes. We will say something wrong. This Our pod- papers will prove it true. That's true. This <laughs> podcast has to be edited uh, extensively because we just misspeak and say the wrong thing. But what a comfort to know that God is still going to accomplish yeah. His purpose for this podcast. Yep his purpose for our lives, his purpose of reconciling people to him through whatever means he wants to 
either with us or in spite of us. Mm -hmm. He's going to accomplish his plan for his glory, whether we choose to participate or not. And we still get to drink from the blessing of it. Yeah. That we don't deserve. Right. So I want to close with just the scripture from 1 Timothy. I think Paul says this really well. He he summarizes this in 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Mm-hmm. He says, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Mm-hmm. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answers the question here. Why would God deliver blessings in spite of deceit, in spite of polygamy, because he can't break his own promise. He cannot Mm -hmm. stop what he has intended to accomplish. He is going to do it whether we contribute fruitfully or whether we try to work against it. He's going to get the whole thing done. And he's still working that out, right? So until his return... Our call is to work this thing out with him. Yeah. And the only way to do it is to step through scripture yeah. to understand what is he doing? Yeah. Because we can look at our life and we can go, well, I'm not blessed. I must be under a curse or this person's blessed, but do you see how they treat someone? Or do you see what this person did? Or do you see what this person got on social media? And all of that is just noise. It's just a distraction by the enemy, no different than the serpent in the garden, to keep you from the very thing that God has given you to do. Whatever that is, step into it, open your Bible, and just say yes and be obedient to that one thing, and you will see your blessings. You will see in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of your sin, that yes, there are consequences. But just like we talked about last week, better to let us fall into the hands of a merciful God than into the hands of man. We all play a part in choosing that very thing. Fall into the hands of God. Fall into your Bible. Fall into the Word of God and let those consequences roll. Let that sin uh, carry its course. Let the consequence roll its course. Find your blessings and be focused on that. Uh, I don't know that that was necessarily... I don't know who submitted the question, so I don't want to imply that I think that that's what they intended. But I do think that's the heart behind it. We see so many wrong things And yet we see blessings, but because even in our least that we have, we are abundantly blessed by God. So, you know, a lot of times, Tina, we get questions uh, speaking of, you know, God's character and our character. We get questions and people say, this might sound like a dumb question. There is no dumb question uh, about the word of God. We are all working this thing out. And we all have to ask the right questions just to be pointed in the right direction. Uh, Sometimes I'll go to Tina and and I'll say, I really should know this, but I don't know why I don't know this. What is this? So there is no dumb question. There is no wrong uh, question. There's nothing that the Bible can't answer because ultimately every question that we have, just like this question, leads us to the character and nature of God, which is the point of the resource that you created, step into scripture. Every day in that reading, we are pointed towards the character and nature of God. What is he trying to tell us about himself? Because the story isn't about us. Right. It's about him. And that's a banner we've been flying for a really long time. And so I encourage you, send in your questions, whether it's online or whether um, you, uh, of course it's going to be online. (laughs) 
So we encourage you to send in your questions, ask what is it that you want to know about the Bible, and we will do our very best to step to step through Scripture to get those answers using Scripture to answer those questions. And pick up the resource, Step Into Scripture. You can get that on Amazon. It is published by Renew.org, and it is the resource that this podcast is built around, and all of our content comes directly from there. So you would be, uh, you'd be blessed to pick that up. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you back next week. See ya.